another and to be in your presence with each other and to know that we're not alone and that we find in this group of people love and we find support, we find encouragement, we find the people that are with us through thick and thin and help us to, to, uh, to, to find joy and to find happiness and blessedness in this life. And as we study this Word tonight, Father, what we're asking for, the eyes to see and the ears to hear it, in, in such a way, Father, that we do turn toward You. Because our understanding of You is greater and deeper. And that, that, uh, that, that information, those truths, those facts that are revealed to us through Your inspired Word, Father, these, these things make all the difference in this life. We pray to be good students. To not be lackadaisical or flippant with this Word, but to to approach it and to hold it and embrace it for what it is. Uh, words that were first thought of, that were first birthed in your mind and in your heart as a will for us, Father, your creation and your creatures. Thank you for them, Father. And we pray that you bless us in this study. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. In the Middle East and throughout Middle Eastern history, one finds a great deal of running and chasing going on. In certain parts of the ancient Middle East where populations were spread out, societies weren't all that well organized and where judicial systems were far and few between, folks kept the order by a rather aggressive form of tribal crime and punishment. For example, if someone in your family lost their life at the hands of another person, then your family would call a meeting and you would discuss the situation and then you would appoint somebody in your family, the someone, to act as the blood avenger. And this person would become the representative from your family whose job it would temporarily be to track down and kill the person that killed your relative. And you can kind of picture this, right? Your family decides to choose as its blood avenger Cousin Vito from Jersey to track down the killer. And Cousin Vito waits until the killer is in an open field or out in a path someplace, and then he declares himself to be his clan's blood avenger, and then the chase is on. And the chase continues until the blood avenger runs up the back of the killer and strikes him down. And then a celebration would ensue because justice has been done. It was crude, and at times it was really brutal, but it would, it, it, would, it would keep the crime rate down. But the problem arose in the middle of this culture, however, because there were no provisions for accidental homicides or for the uh, time to time these unintentional deaths. What if a housewife, what, uh, you know, and hurrying to the marketplace, or a husband who's late for his job in their haste caused the accidental death of another person? What then? Well, in the Old Testament books of Deuteronomy and Numbers and Joshua, we see God step into just this kind of a situation. He addresses this problem by establishing what became known as cities of refuge. Look at uh, uh, Joshua chapter 20. Look at the, uh, verses 2 and 3. To designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses so that anyone who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. And God so established six cities of refuge. If a person committed an unintentional homicide, he or she could take off running. And if the offender got to the city of refuge before the blood avenger tracked them down, 
they would be safe inside of the gates of that city of refuge. And after a, a time had passed by, a certain amount of time, a fair trial then could be held. And if that person were innocent, he or she would be free to go back to the house. If the person were guilty, then the blood avenger would do his thing. But the main thing I want us to focus on is to look at what God provided in the middle of this situation. This tough, frightening, scary situation. He provided a place to run to, a shelter, a hiding place till a fair trial could be had. And look again at what God called these cities in Deuteronomy and Numbers and Joshua. He called them cities of refuge. And the idea for these hiding places, these shelters, these places of refuge, it flows out of the very heart of who God is. And there's a very important fact about the character and the nature of God in all of the universe that I want us, want us to know, want us to consider tonight. And it's this. It is bound up in the nature and the character of God, of God Himself, to provide safety and refuge to people who are feeling oppressed or hunted down. It is in the heart of God to provide safety and refuge to people who are running fast and running as hard as they can, but they're beginning to wear down. It is in the heart of God to provide safety and refuge for people who are hearing footsteps and who desperately need a safe place, who desperately need a hiding place. I mean, what about us? Have you heard some unfriendly footsteps in your life recently? How about your stress? Are you under enormous stress right now where it feels like you're in a vice? And how many of you feel as if you're being tracked down, as if there are some unfriendly people or forces that you just can't seem to escape? And if I asked how many of you came here this evening thinking about the greatest gift you could receive would be a temporary hiding place, a secure and safe place just for a moment, I bet a lot of hands would go up. What you and I need to understand and know is that our God is a refuge-providing God. He delights in that role. He only asks that you would avail yourself of the refuge that He provides. Now, in order for us to be able to wrap our arms and minds around this concept, there are three questions that I want us to address. They're very basic questions. The first one is, what does it feel like? Number two, who needs it? And number three, maybe most importantly, how do you access it? How do you get into that, that refuge that God provides when you feel like somebody is running you down? Question one, what does that refuge feel like? Well, maybe the best way to get at the answer is to first ask, what does a physical, a, a, a very physical refuge feel like? In Sports Illustrated back in the 90s, several, several years ago, uh, there was uh, an article. In fact, it, it was not just in Sports uh, Illustrated. It was, it was in magazines. It was, it was in the paper. There was a, a, a famous race car driver, Bobby Unser, and a friend who became lost in a blizzard when their snowmobiles broke down near the New Mexico-Colorado border. And they were lost for a couple of days, and because of the extreme cold, many people began to give up hope that they would ever find Bobby Unser and his friend ever again, or at least find them alive. And during the first day or so, the two men built a lean-to out of snow and out of pine branches to get themselves out of the wind. And if you were to ask, I think, if you were to ask these two men what that lean-to felt like in the blizzard, they would probably have said that it felt like shelter. 
that it felt like a refuge from the harsh elements. They were in a protected environment where they could regroup, where they could recuperate, and they could reorganize and get their mind around the situation that they were in. There was safety and there was security in that place. Sailors know the same thing. Sailors know what a physical refuge feels like. The open sea is a violent place and there are violent storms. The sea sometimes becomes this hostile environment and, and probably as hostile an environment as exists on the entire planet. And when a sailor navigates his boat into a small, well-protected harbor, he has found shelter from the harsh elements and an opportunity for him to be able to recuperate and to reorganize and to refit that boat and to rest. He has found a safe place from which to plan the next leg of that voyage. But here's the thing about those harbors. I mean, you can't stay there forever. You can't stay there the rest of your life. You have to go out eventually. You have to eventually continue the journey. Now, if that's how a physical refuge feels like, what about a spiritual one? One of the most famous Psalms, Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is a refuge. And over 40 times in the Psalms, God is referred to as a refuge, as a temporary shelter from the harsh forces, from the harsh realities that are pressing in upon you and wearing you down. It feels like a protected environment in which you can rest and recuperate temporarily, a secure place from which you can plan your next move, and when you can go out in a much more healthy state. Four times alone in Psalm 31, God is referred to as a rock. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Free me from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge. And then verse 19, How great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge. There it is again. We take refuge in you. And one of the most beautiful places of this is, is in the text that, that Kevin read to us in Psalm 94, specifically verse, uh, uh, Psalm 91, specifically verse 4, where the psalmist says, He, God, will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I mean, what a picture of God we have here. Have you ever been out on a farm? Have you ever seen little chicks hopping around and chirping and pecking and doing all of the stuff that chicks do? And then all of a sudden, the chicks and the mother hen become aware that there's a predator in the vicinity, a coyote or a dog or something. And the mother hen lifts both wings simultaneous. And within just a few seconds, all of the baby chicks disappear underneath those wings that simultaneously she has lifted up. They hide there. And they're sheltered there. And they regroup there. And those chicks, they're in that safety, in that shelter, say to one another, in that darkness, mercy, did you see the size of the teeth in the mouth of that big coyote? And they're okay under those wings for a time. But eventually, they have to crawl out to face the real world. But for a time, there's nothing quite like being sheltered under those wings. That picture is, is very near to the heart of God. It is bound up in the very character and essence of God to provide a kind of hiding place for His children under His wings. Just like when God provided cities of refuge. Just like when God 
had those six cities of refuge designated for those who were running from blood avengers. Today, God delights in spreading His protective wings and to enfold and to embrace His frightened, weary, beaten down, worn out children under those wings and into His arms. And He says to them, hide here for a moment. For a moment. Get out of the danger for a time, just for a time, and regroup and rest and renew your strength. And then when the time is right, when strength has been renewed, when souls have been restored, then He lifts those wings and we venture back out into the world a little calmer, a little stronger, a little more secure, having been in that refuge that is God. Now some of you feel that way when you come here. And some of you come with anxious hearts. And by some provision that God provides, you walk out of this place having heard the Word or having been involved in prayer or through the encouragement that comes in fellowship with brothers and sisters or through the very act of singing with, with Jeff or with Ben or with Brad this morning. And you, you come out and after an hour or so of, of worshiping God and your heart being opened up to God, there's this, this new perspective. It's that refuge that God so freely provides. And that's what it feels like. But the next question is, who needs that refuge? Who needs a refuge? Well, if you have to ask, you probably haven't needed one yet. Cities of refuge didn't mean much to the average Joe Schmo from Kokomo on the Old Testament streets. But to the person who had a blood avenger hot on their heels, hot on, 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 their, on their tracks, then cities of refuge were the most important places on the planet. To, to the harried target to the person that's being chased down. They run for their life. They, they burst through the gates of that city of refuge just steps ahead of that cousin Vito from Jersey. And they fall down on the streets inside of that city of refuge and they say, Oh God, I would have been dead if it were not for this safe place. And some of us have said similar words when we have come into God's refuge. That I could not have gone another day. I didn't know how I was, I was going to make it. I didn't know if I had the strength to go on except that you hide me under your wings and bring me into your presence. Some years ago when I was uh, living in Kansas, I performed a funeral for a woman by the name of Rosetta Lee. Uh, not, a, not a very famous woman at all, but very famous, I think, in the eyes of the angels. A sister in Christ who had not seen much sunshine in her life. And she had, uh, and she had been abandoned very cruelly by her husband who left her to take care of these these, uh, these young children. And uh, Rosetta Lee was not very well educated, and so she worked. And she worked hard all of her life. And in fact, there was a, uh, she opened up a, a fried chicken place to, to serve uh, workers, laborers, during the, uh, the 1930s and the 40s. It became a, a fairly well-known place up in northeast Kansas. But during that funeral, uh, I read a letter that she wanted to have read to her daughters dur during that funeral. And uh, they were just seated a few free, uh, feet from me, and, and I told them how the letter had come to me. And the letter, there was just this little portion when she talked about her faith, this little portion which she addressed to her daughters, it said, You know the hard life I have had. If it were not for God, I would not have made it. Those were the testimony from a woman who had found refuge in God not once, but many times throughout her life. The ninth psalm in the ninth verse says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. 
It says that all who are oppressed may come to Him, and He is a refuge for them in their time of trouble, in their time of distress. And that's something you find throughout the Psalms. Throughout those Psalms, there is an invitation by God Himself to come under His wings. So who is it that needs a refuge? Well, oppressed people need it. And troubled people need it. And weary people need it. And grieving people do. And lonely people do. As well as worried people and broken-hearted people do. I've had the opportunity over the last 30 years to pray with scores of people who could hear the footsteps coming up behind them. And, and there have been occasions when in prayer you could almost feel the wings of God gather over His harried children, His, 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 his oppressed children. There is indeed a peace that passes understanding. And you know what that feels like. God seeks to shelter His children from angry, cold-hearted spouses that some of you have to deal with on a daily basis. And God is a refuge for those who have frightening medical reports to deal with or overwhelming financial needs to contend with or children who are hurting you or parents who don't understand or when it seems like you can't catch a break with a job, or whatever it might be. God Himself appeared in the form of man to say this to His, his creatures. Jesus in Matthew 11 at the end of that chapter says, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find what? Rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you do not know what that's like because up to this point in your life you have never heard those footsteps in the distance. And some of you do not know what the refuge of God is like because you just keep on running and running and running and running. But the Bible is very clear that there is a refuge nearby and that the gates will swing open to you because we have a refuge in God. The last question is this. How do you access the refuge that God provides? Well, uh, the first move is yours and it's a big one and sometimes it's an incredibly, excruciatingly hard and difficult one. It goes against the grain of many of us who like to consider ourselves independent and self-sufficient. It is a move from independence to dependence upon God. It means recognizing that we are His forever children, dependent upon our Father for all things, especially for our refuge in turbulent times. Going back to Psalm 91, verses 14 and 15, Because He loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue Him. I will protect Him, for He acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. So what's the first practical step towards accessing God's refuge? The psalm tells us that number one, you have to call out. You have to call out and admit that there's something that's chasing you down. Something that you can't handle. It's admitting that Unless you find a city of refuge, a hiding place, wings to crawl under, you're done for. You have to say, I can't outrun this one. You have to say, my strength is waning. I don't have enough fight. I don't have enough strength to win this one. My only hope is a divine refuge. And the good news is this. 
The good news is that you don't have to run to a city to find God's refuge these days. If you're God's child, if you're God's son, if you're God's daughter, you can find access to the refuge of God anytime, anywhere. You can find it in the front seat of your car. The, 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 the front seat of your car, passenger or driver, back seat, serves nicely. It can be on your couch, it can be at your desk, it can be in the library, it can even be on the plane that you travel on. But the first step is for you to move from independence to dependence on God by calling out, by crying out to God. There, you know, there are folks here tonight that, that need to call out to God tonight to find this refuge. And what breaks your heart is that they will not because of upbringing or culture or dogged pride or bad theology or for whatever reason, and they miss out on the promised refuge of God, that peace that passes understanding. And then the second step is is to move from silence to spilling it out, uh, uh, to, to, to pouring out. You call out and you pour out. You call out and you spill out. There is an invitation from Genesis to the max where God in, invites us to, to explain to Him what it is, to, to describe to Him what it is that's vexing us, that's troubling us, that's causing us to lose sleep at night, causing our hands to shake and our, our knees to feel weak. Psalm 62, verse 8, Trust in Him at all times, O people. O people, pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. The passwords that open the gates into the refuge of God are the soul-wrenching words that flow out of our pain-filled hearts when we finally decide to trust God and to pour out what it is that's vexing our hearts. It was true of the prophet Jeremiah. He was called at at a young age. You know the story of Jeremiah. He was called at a tender age to speak the words that God would give him. And Jeremiah spoke those words, but rather than receiving a glad hearing, he received a resistant one. And the reason was the words that God gave him to speak were not very easy words to hear at times. Folks became so irritated with Jeremiah that they beat him and put him in stocks by the city gate so that he could be ridiculed by those who passed him by. And his great prophet, Jeremiah, even Jeremiah needed a refuge. He needed a a, a place where he could pour out his heart to God. And he did. And if you've read Jeremiah or remember reading Jeremiah sometime in your life, you can know that the words, you remember that the words sometimes are messy. It wasn't a well-rehearsed prayer. In Jeremiah 20, he says, I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Then you drop down to verse 14. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. I don't know. You have to be pretty blue to say, I hate my birthday, I hate my mother, I even hate the guy that delivered me. But here is Jeremiah pouring his heart out to God. And as he did, the gates to God's refuge begin to open up. And in that same chapter, Jeremiah says, But the Lord is with me. My persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Sing. To the Lord, 
Give praise to His name. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. I mean, what has changed from I hate my mother, I hate my birthday, and I hate the pediatrician that brought me, brought me birth. What has changed from those words to sing praises to God Himself? I mean, Jeremiah will go out and he'll speak the same words to the same resistant crowd. He'll say the same words that are going to irritate them and cause them to hate Him. But he'll do it. Renewed because of the time in the refuge of God. And this is what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is praying with such anguish in His heart that sweat pours from Him like blood. He's, he's anguishing in prayer to God over the cross and what is up ahead of Him. And at the moment that Jesus prays for the cross to be taken from Him, God sends an angel, the Bible says, to strengthen Him. And Christianity, you know, it... Christianity just never promises that adversity will be removed from your life if you're a believer. It just says that there are provisions that are made for you to be able to walk one day at a time in faith and in trust and in God's strength just as Christ did in that garden. That His grace will be sufficient for you. That might be another way of saying it. But some of us here tonight are in extreme distress and under duress. And some are facing such unbelievable amounts of adversity that the only way that you're going to live above the line of despair is to orient your life around the safe refuge that God has provided. Jeff's going to lead us in a song. And maybe one of the things that, that can happen for you tonight that maybe has never happened for you in the, the, the entire life that you have lived as a disciple of Jesus is that in all of those times that you've tried to overcome the adversity or the trouble, the distress, the duress you're under that's weighing you down like a bunch of weights and you feel yourself sinking. And you don't know if from your weariness and exhaustion if you're going to have the strength, the wherewithal, the, the resources, physical, emotional, intellectual, financial, whatever they might be to be able to pull yourself up. You know, we're going to have some shepherds down here at the front. And one of the things that can happen for you tonight is for one of the shepherds of our church that God has raised up by His Holy Spirit as, a, as an overseer, as a shepherd, as, a, as, as, a, as a, a, an overseer and a, and a protector of your soul is to pray for you and to spend time with you asking for you to come into God's refuge, to find that strength just for a time and able to go back out and to face whatever it is that's giving you that trouble. But as a disciple strengthened by the power of God Himself to do it in such faith that you are blessed and God is honored. If that describes you tonight, our shepherds are going to be down here at the front during the singing of this next song. Come down to the front and let them pray over you. We, you can do this now as we stand and sing together. <laughs>